I think actually I've cracked it. The trolls didn't like this book from the get go before even reading it. And for me, as an older man, as a 40 plus year old reading comics, be it superhero or pulp westerns or weird mangas, I want to see someone else's experience. I want to learn more about the world that I don't know. Right. So again, to all the fucking trolls who just want to self-actualize in a Warren Ellis comic book, there's a bunch of Warren Ellis comic books for you. Go read them. So this is the second time in a week that we've queued up a comic one week and done a completely different one the next. Do you remember Dragon Hoops? Uh, Yeah, we'll we'll get to that. We will. We will. It's just that I got back last night from a wholesome family vacation where there was no way I was going to subject myself to the psychological nightmares of a Junji Ito manga while soaking up the sun and surf. So rain check? I mean, of course, Junji Ito can wait in the shadows beneath your bed and the dank recesses of your mind until next week. But what's on your mind this time? How about a teen drama about coming to terms with superpowered parental expectations? I feel we did that already. It was called Miracle Man, and what happened, and it was horrible. <sighs> no more live childbirth. I get it. I get it. We're, but look, we're taking a break from the darkness, remember? And and this one's by Mariko Tamaki. Oh, yes, yes, yes. The writer of teenage-focused books like Skim and This One Summer, two books she did with her cousin Jillian Tamaki, which we reviewed in a previous episode. Yeah, and now she's bringing that aesthetic to superheroes. Well, I'm in. Are you in? Uh, actually, no. I'm Robin Seigel. And I'm Ryan Joe. And we are two old dudes still reading about teen drama to avoid our own issues. And this week, we are reading I Am Not Starfire, written by Mariko Tamaki and artist Yoshi Yoshitani. Yeah, so Tamaki is someone we have read numerous books by on this podcast, and some would argue she is one of our generation's best voices to channel what it's like growing up in this increasingly strange world. So it was really intriguing to find out that DC, one of the two mainstream comic book publishers, had tapped her to create a very different story related to one of their most popular characters. I'm Not Starfire tells the tale of Mandy, a 16 or 17 year old who is nothing like her super famous superhero supermodel mom starfire starfire is a tall gorgeous sparkly hot-blooded hero beloved by all and andy's not when we meet her she has no powers dyes her hair black and hates everyone but her best friend lincoln and her popular girl crush claire and to starfire who's actually from another planet her daughter mandy seems like a distant angry alien from light years away everyone's got plans and thoughts about what mandy should be but like so many other coming-of-age stories mandy just wants to do her own thing be it skipping the sats choosing not to go to college and just doing whatever it is they do in france the book had a lot of mixed reviews some constructive and some from the darker trolley recesses of the internet and while i personally have gone back and forth on my opinion of this book as a father of a five going on 15 year old i couldn't help but have feelings about it because it's all about me So, Ryan, before I continue to unpack my own (laughs) personal baggage once again, what did you think about I Am Not Starfire? Did it bring out your inner teenage girl? I don't know how to answer that without sounding creepy, so I'm just going to pass on that one. 
what did I think about the book? So, so the the other two I we've read this one summer and Skim I almost had similar protagonists, embittered. Well, I would say Skim in particular, kind of uh-huh. embittered girls who are going through a particularly nasty time in their lives as they try to figure out who they are, and they're really not sure where they fit in in this world. Skim was a lot more subtle. This one, you have the trappings of the superhero comic that needs to be addressed. And so a lot of, in a way, a lot of the teenage girl stuff felt a little bit reduced compared to what Tamaki had done in the past. Probably necessarily so. Um, I, I will say it did feel very much like two different comics. And you alluded this to this, I think, when we were talking over email where part of it very much feels like a girl trying to figure out where she fits in the world, trying to figure out how to grow up, who to be when she grows up. And then the second half really falling into, it felt like a basic superhero 101 let's, adventure. Let's force it into the universe, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. I, it's something I've been thinking about. Like I remember when Neil Gaiman wrote Coraline and they made it a movie. And I remember watching a case study on the marketing of it. And some of it was like people who like dark animated stories. And then another group they focused on was people who like Neil Ga- Gaiman. And I felt that same way about this. Because when we first discovered this book was coming out several months ago, it was because we have an appreciation for Mariko Tamaki. We've read her stuff. And so for us... I feel like I had a bias coming into it saying, okay, I know how she does it. I want to see what she does in the superhero genre and quirky thing. But then I wonder if a lot of the people who didn't like this book didn't know anything about Tamaki. And that's a fair criticism. Or is there something worse at play here? All right. So let's, yeah, let's, let's address the criticism that's been going around the internet because it's been particularly vicious with this book in particular. I I, I don't think... I don't think I Am Not Starfire is Tamaki's best work. I, mean, I have some a lot of problems with it in terms of the story she's trying to tell. There's a lot I do like about it. And I, I only I didn't go too deep into the criticism of this book, though I, I read some of the Reddit threads, and then I'm kind of perusing Amazon reviews. I'm pretty sure it's being review bombed, and a lot mm-hmm. of the comments on Reddit were from people who hadn't read the book at all. And so what... What, what what made me uncomfortable were the reasons for disliking the book. They didn't like that the main characters seemed to be very similar to, to Mariko Tamaki. Well, that was their assumption, that this was some version of Mariko Tamaki. I don't know why that's actually really a problem when it comes to literature. If you think of like what Hemingway wrote, I would imagine that most of his male protagonists are idealized <laughs> versions of like what he wants to be. So this is not... <clears throat> This is I, I I think they're singling her out because she is she she's she's a larger woman she's goth so they like turn her into a target. I don't well, necessarily. The irony, the irony of that is that's something I loved about this book. And again, pretending I didn't know Tamaki, it really flips the superhero genre, the coming of age genre, a little bit on on its head. Like Mandy is sure she's all goth and weird. But she's not portrayed to be like this typical, cute, borderline, very attractive, hot teenager, because that's what every comic has done. These are all like idealized versions of herself. And she's a pudgy little girl who still has feelings and you're forced to live in that world, which doesn't happen a lot in superhero comics. 
Now, let's talk about what we liked about the book before we delve into actually the controversy, <laughs> because it's just it, it's just seedy and if you uh, a little bit greasy, like trying to figure out the motivations of the people who are writing these reviews. I don't think it is. I don't think it's. Oh, dude, it's Zack Snyder fans. It's it's bring back the Snyder Cut fan people. It's yeah. fuck these guys. Like, I, <clears throat> it's not valid criticism. To your point, if you haven't read the book or you don't accept the premise that the book is living in, what it's trying to do, then go away. Like, this isn't some superhero continuity jam. It's not meant to be. The Starfire has a daughter in Mark Wade's Kingdom Come, and she could be this girl one day. This is not the origin story of this girl. This is trying to do something very, very different. And honestly, for an audience, that's not you and me, Ryan. Like, so I guess to... I don't know, man. The people who are hating it, this book isn't for them. So just like I can get that out of the way and say fuck those guys and girls. She, she. I was actually thinking about uh, Far Sector a little bit because oh yeah, Sojourner. We reviewed that a while ago, and she is not a very typical Green Lantern. She, mm-hmm. she, she's plagued by self doubt, but. The other thing is that her body proportions are much more realistic, right? She's She doesn't have that super athletic or, as women are often drawn, ultra petite body, ridiculously petite physicality. And you see this, of course, with I Am Not Starfire with Mandy. And so it's actually like two recent examples of characters, female characters, who it's, it's almost like they are reclaiming the 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 physicality of superheroines that has been for so long defined by dudes. But yeah, I'll I'll take it a step further though and say how it's different. So the Green Lantern book that we read, and by the way, that character Sojourner is now part of mainline DC Green Lantern continuity since we've read the book. But that book and that aesthetic is very much in the superhero comic book universe, sci-fi epic, blah, blah, blah. This book is not it. We talked on our You're the Rabbit episode about the art, the artistry of cartooning. And there is a lot more cartooning than comic book art in here. And that is intentional. It is a YA young adult book that belongs more in first, second press or IDW than it does in DC. But you're just playing with DC's crown jewels. So again, I say to the critics who think this is a in continuity Starfire story, go fuck yourself. And and well, again, I can I can understand that. I just want to talk a little bit more about Starfire. Like, because I'm a big Teen Titans fan. Like, I have been since like I was reading Uncanny X-Men back in the day. And like <laughs> if you were a straight male reading Teen Titans back in the day and you didn't have a crush on Starfire, like you didn't have blood pumping through your body because she like personified all of that male gaze culture that we have now become critical of in our, our com- yeah. conversations about X-Men and Jim Lee and blah, blah, blah. And again, I think the fans who are pushing back on this book are those fans who never fucking grew up. Like this book is not meant to be that. If anything, it's a, it's a contrast and a juxtaposition and it's a fucking YA cartoony book that has a different tale to tell. And well, so my pushback there, I know that there's a difference between Far Sector, which is in continuity, and I Am Not Starfire, which is not in continuity. But the similarities is defining is is that they're both trying to redefine what a superhero looks like, and a superheroine is specifically that that they don't necessarily adhere to the typical the typical idealized body types. Yeah, and and so so that's what I, I just wanted to point out that that pushback 
we saw it in Far Sector. We're seeing it in I Am Not Starfire. There might be other books where they're doing that as well. I'm not sure because I'm not really up to date with what's happening in superhero land. But but the, but the, uh, me- the meta style of this book is not drawn like a comic book, unlike Far Sector, which is drawn like a sci-fi No, comic. Yeah, but Mandy is still definitely unlike, I mean... We talked about Starfire yes. being like the object of the male gaze for like so long. The boat, the boat age, right. yes, right. And in a way, Tamaki leans into that because of how she there's a line where Mandy says, "My mom is always wearing bikinis because she likes to." So, so Tamaki is definitely well, like, oh, she's well, she's solar powered and she gets her energy she, from the sun. <laughs> did, did I did I tell you about the the recent Metal Gear Solid? game there's a character yeah. named quiet yeah. i told you about this she's yeah. a sniper she's a sexy sniper who doesn't talk and she's always naked or almost naked and the reason she's almost naked i don't can't remember she was allergic to clothes it was one dumb reason Na- a male narrative reasons again right. starfire created by a dude of course she was solar powered and loved to be naked and, so, I, yeah. and, and I, I think they've been redefining starfire recently to not be that sex object but within this book she is but in a way she but she is because she needs to be a contrast to mandy yeah fair fair but i yeah so i i i really i i did like what tamaki was doing with 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 mandy in particular with rethinking what it means to be a superhero or rethinking what a superhero should should look like and i and i also like how she was doing that while embracing like the the I, almost the sexist tropes of how Starfire initially was when she when she first appeared. She's basically just a, a, a bombshell. And you actually don't get a lot of her interiority or what she's thinking, how she relates to Mandy until the end, which for a while bothered me because it's really she's she's it's really not clear how she is as a mother. And she like goes through these no, these motions of doing what a human what she thinks a human mother should do. Which is you can see it would be really really frustrating for for Mandy. Well, um, I think some I think some of it is intentional, right? The first, I do, yeah, the, yeah, 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 yeah. Because because it's like one, we already know who Starfire is. We could project on to what she might be like as a mom. But this is is supposed to be Mandy's book. So for the first two thirds, it's the perception of what mom would say. Even like her choice to not tell mom about skipping out of the SATs, et cetera. It's, it's the daughter's perspective of this book. And I think actually I, I, I've cracked it. Like where our criticism probably falls, or at least mine is, the trolls didn't like this book from the get-go or from before even reading it. And for me, this book fell apart in the last act. And we can talk about that later, yeah. but it's like, I was going along with it. For all the flaws that this book had, I was going with it till the last act when it felt like it had to come back to being a superhero book. And that's when the book lost me. I I was just, I didn't want to go again too deep into like what people didn't like about I am Starfire. Well, I I didn't basically, I basically didn't want to read too much, too many of the same, too much of the same shit. So I didn't go too deep into the reviews. I did actually read a lot of the Amazon reviews just to see what people didn't like about it. And it all falls into the same category of, I didn't like the, I didn't like Mandy. So, which is, I, I always feel is a really lazy criticism. I didn't like the main character, therefore the book is bad. <laughs> I, honestly, I think it's like the lazy, laziest criticism. And I do suspect it's being review bombed. A lot of these, 
a lot of the the reviews on Amazon have like 170, 50 people really like it. So I feel we're in an echo chamber here. Mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. idea that a character who is not likable isn't worthy of their own book is strange to me. I've never actually figured out why people feel that way. I, actually, I do. I, I feel it happens a lot in science fiction, fantasy, superhero stories because... And, and actually, you know, that, that mentality relimits a lot of times what these stories can become because people project themselves into the role of these superheroes. You did. I did. When you were young, man, I wish I were like Peter Parker. I wish I were like Superman. And so you want them to be the ideal, the, the, the characters that you root for to be like the idealized version of, well, of, of you. Yeah, but, but and, I want to push back on that a little, like. I agreed to that when I started reading comics. I wanted to be Peter Parker. I wanted to be Tim Drake or Dick Grayson, etc. Yeah. As an older man, as a 40 plus year old fucking reading comics, be it superhero or pulp westerns or weird manga sci-fis, I want to see someone else's experience. I want to learn more about the world that I don't know. And right. so, and again, so again, to all the fucking trolls who just want to self-actualize in a Warren Ellis comic book, there's a bunch of Warren Ellis comic books for you. Go read them. Well, <laughs> I know I, I agree with you, right? I, I'm interested in somebody else's experiences and how they perceive the world. But I think sci-fi, fantasy, comic superhero superheroes, in particular, don't really cater to that, right? They cater to this is this is you're in the you're in the head of these amazing gods this could be you feeling like when you're reading lord this... of the rings you're you're frodo right so in a way a lot of these characters need to be almost blank slates just automatically virtuous yeah um, but again this is where i want to disagree i'm not disagreeing with you but the disagreeing with the premise i think that's what's wrong with mainstream superhero comics so back to frodo that's cool the frodo story is a cool one i like frodo he seems like a nice guy as a sam but like i want to read uh, are there girls out there who want to read a book about arwen and so yeah. therefore get more girls into the genre because that's what this book's trying to do well i don't think it's we're not... disagreeing i think we're just we're we're because like I'm, I'm saying this is i think why people are reacting the way they are sure you're, yeah, yeah. you're saying this is this is this is inherently limiting which i think is just like the next, I agree with you. It is, it is limiting <laughs> when, and actually I think, I think that's a big problem with the Marvel movies these days is that when these superheroes have to be all things to all people, it yeah. really limits what they can be as humans. Like Black Widow, for instance, like she became, because she was the only female superhero for so long, she was like the emblematic female superhero. I'm, I'm speaking specifically about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so you can't really take risks on her in terms of like having her do things that are morally dubious. You can allude to maybe she did some bad things in the past, but you can't actually have her doing things on screen. Like, for instance, in The Ultimates, Black Widow was a full on turncoat. She assassinated Hawkeye's family. Right. Surprise. You cannot do that in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The fans would freak out. Out. Well, so, we're getting off on a tangent, but to be clear, when they in the Avengers movies, never mind the Iron Man movie where she was a sex symbol, which they that's been litigated now. She's like, I've got red in my ledger. I did kill people, and even in the Black Widow movie, spoilers here, she thinks she killed a little girl. Like, so she feels like she is a bad person, but they don't show it and uh, give you that exposition as much. You but to be fair, do, 
Yes, you no, could you more. could, you could, no, 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 you could say, like I said, you could, you could be like, yeah, she had a bad past, but you can't have her in scene do something morally dubious or outright villainous because, again, the, she well, has such a fan following. She murdered that, a little girl at the beginning of the movie, spoiler alert, but then they take it back at the end of the movie. Yeah, right. <laughs> she does, but, but really, she didn't. So it's all good. So, so, and, and I, I feel like that's, that's that's I think that's just a limitation of superheroes get become mainstream, right? They've become main, they've been mainstream since Iron Man the movie came mm-hmm, out. Mm-hmm. And and now you can't you don't you can't take as many risks even in an else world scenario of or you you have like a contingent of fans who freak out when you try when you try to take these risks. They freak out when you position a girl who is not the idealized body type for a superhero who is who is just bitter and angry and try to yeah. position her as a as a hero they, so here's here's what's funny though the literalism the literalism of incontinuity of the sacred toys is so fucking weird because like it's okay to do it in the boys or god knows how many what if superman turned evil like allegories that have been put out there that's okay the boys is a big hit God, even though it it twists the knife and shows rape scenes and all these things, so I I guess the thing is, it's okay to do it if it's for boys. It's not okay if you do it about the girls because the girls need to swim in their lane and stay in a place. And that's where I get really pissed off at the people who don't want to give this book a chance because it's not for you. So try to see the world through someone else's eyes. Yeah. I, I don't know. So so. What, what what I know we've been talking about the trolls. Now I'm going to ask, what didn't you like about Starfire? <laughs> no, it, it felt here's the, it, coming back like because we're getting this book. I didn't realize we were going to do this. It's turning into like a litigation on female characters in comic books a little bit. And it the, the issue I had with this comic, there are some issues with the first two thirds, and we can talk about the Nightwing and the Titan stuff a little bit. Yeah, but I wasn't so precious about that because I know this is supposed to just almost be like a thought experiment book, but. It's the last third of the book fell into what I call the Wonder Woman trap. And the yeah. Wonder Woman movie was really fucking great until the CGI forced battle with a big bad boss villain at the end. Right. With the uh, Ares. And it could have been psychologically weird, but no, it turned into a video game at the end. It's a video and game. That's yeah. what, and that's what this book did, man. I, I don't mind that she got powers. I just I don't like that. It became like a sky beam bad guy in the sky thing at the end. It's like, yeah. why? You didn't need to I- do that. I just I, before I just yeah I agree with you. I just want to go back though. You said I I I am just curious why people get so freaked out when a character behaves in a way that they don't want them to behave, whether it's in continuity or not in continuity. As in, like I am not Starfire. It's just like who? Why is this such a big deal for you? Well, you, you people they have fictional attachments. Like yeah. my, my sister used to watch Friends, and the friends on TV were her friends. Whatever the characters going through now is going to last for five freaking years, and then they're going to retcon it to juice up sales. <laughs> so it's like it's even if it's in continuity, it's not permanent. So it's just it just it, it just it just look. They had they tried to the Clone Saga, right? That yeah. was actually reviled where they tried to replace Peter Parker with. This guy named Ben Riley, <laughs> and you know what? Which, by the, the way, fans... the ulti- by the way, the Ultimate Clone Saga was so much better. And if we never get to read Ultimate Spider-Man, we should just read the Ultimate Clone Saga. But continue. Oh, really? I actually, yeah. I, I, I can't. I didn't actually. I can't actually believe that you could reimagine that in a way that works. I'm actually now curious. But um, 
Yeah. So, so look, they just they basically pulled a lever, and the Clone Saga was like, whatever. It's a distant memory. So I feel like any move that a creator makes that you don't like, you can it's, reset. It's going to be reset. It'll be reset like within 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 a year. So Here, you here's, know. here's what's interesting, and, and this is not bragging, but if I hear if I meet another model or highly attractive friend, male or female, who says, "Oh yeah, but in high school I was an ugly duckling," blah blah blah. That's what's funny about this story. So we don't know if Starfire was an ugly duckling, but we do know again. I don't think Starfire of- was an ugly duckling. I don't think there's any way she was ever an ugly duckling. In fact, I she don't- was like the favorite. She was a favorite daughter. She had superpowers early. That's why she in the in the narrative. <laughs> right, that's why they said, right, like, right. "Oh yeah, you're good to be queen. Your sister." But, but, sorry, but, but so in kingdom come the, uh, in a cameo appearance you see starfire nightwing's daughter who could be mandy and is this the bat and again this i don't care about continuity but i like that oh okay this is mandy's story became before she became like the super idealized awesome right like of two of the the literally gods of the dc universe which we haven't even t- broached the fatherhood sorry parish about dick grayson in this book but i i like it as a backstory i genuinely like this as a backstory i wonder if if the father's dick grayson like that was actually a thread that they'd never that tamaki brings up but never really resolves which i'm fine with because i don't think yeah, it's that it's interesting not, it's not the, not the point of the book but I, I am curious though now like if the father is nightwing he's there he shows up he's chilling how come he's just like an absentee father yeah that that's that was one of the things that bugged me again not because i'm that obsessed with it but they bring up like because this book the beginning of it is a little bit of a litigation on celebrity culture superheroes are like celebrities starfire who's the dad and they open the book she's the daughter of a superhero and they talk about who's the dad and to be clear in the dc universe for most of us who've read like 80 percent of it nightwing and starfire were hooking up constantly and so nightwing is the dad it's clear but in this book, they show the Titans as mom's friends and Nightwing just shows up. And this is actually what got under my skin about it as a father, right? Like if you did knock up Starfire and she is your daughter, you are being a bad person. And Dick Grayson is one of the best people in the DC universe. I We've literally done four episodes of another thing on this podcast for it. So like it, I'd rather you just like mute out Nightwing and not even have him be part. Of it. So you allude to maybe it is Nightwing, but he's just not in this incarnation of the Titans that is still interacting with Starfire. Mom and dad had a falling out like he's not around. But like to just have him be there and not really be there was upsetting as a father because it's clear there's only one man who could be the father. Well, what? technically, what? she did get married to uh, Tamaranian in the continuity. So I don't know. What if the father is Damian Wayne? No, that's Would that too be young. illegal? He's too How young. How is Damien? Yeah. How is Damien right now? Come on. Damien is Bruce Wayne's... No, that's like a generational difference. I know. That would be really seedy, wouldn't it? <laughs> you just had to make this Junji Ito-like. <laughs> um, so, I, 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 so, so, yeah, so there's a lot about I Am Not Starfire that I like. This whole... I, I, I really liked seeing Mandy's school life. Everyone is like flocked to... They're friendly to her because her mom is Starfire and she has this boiling, simmering, I would say, resentment about that. Um, And it leads to this distrust of people, which which affects her relationship with Claire for for a brief moment. So here's what I fundamentally didn't like about it. And where and this is it, it does go to the conclusion. And part of it is like how cartoony it gets at the end. But the other thing is that a lot of Mandy's issues are resolved when she gets powers suddenly. Yeah. 
There's a fucking cop out. Oh, it's a cop out because like it's not. She has this complexity to her, to her her relationship with her mom, her, and now to believe that it's all better once she gets powers, and that's when the rest of the Titans start to pay attention to her. Raven becomes like a, her tutor. It it felt almost a, a little it bit like forced. a betrayal. Well, I don't want to say f- I mean, yes, but it felt like a betrayal in a way because like you're setting up this like really deep conflict between her and her mom, only to reveal at the end, oh, wait. it's all better. You got powers. We're all it's we're all better. Be- now. Yeah, now that she has powers, it's okay. And I I felt that was just that was the wrong because like a lot of a lot of Tamaki's skim this one summer they they don't have easy resolutions the relationships between daughter and mother is usually like really really difficult it's an and, unresolved it's an unresolved acceptance and, in her other yeah, books and i know i am not starfire is is, is ya essentially but i so is skim so is this one summer yeah yeah, yeah. look I, if when i say forced i'm being literal in the sense i wonder if dc told her hey you go do that Tamaki YA stuff that you're known for, but bring it back to continuity at the end. Hero's journey. Everyone's got to get powers, blah, blah. And that's, it just, it felt like a fucking cop out. Like I, I, w- I want to uh, release the Tamaki cut. That's what I want. Internet trolls. Like I want to see where would Tamaki, what would Tamaki do with this? If she, maybe this is what she genuinely wanted to do, but I don't buy it because to your point, it feels like a betrayal to the narratives that Tamaki tells like in skim, I think, or this one summer, the mom and the daughter never resolve the issues. They just understand each other's issues with each other. Yeah. And, and, and you the, leave on a cliffhanger. That's never going to resolve because you don't get to revisit these characters. And then the other issue I had, and this is, the same issue i had with the ray character in star wars is just mm. that the powers just suddenly come to her and she's badass she's able to take out a top a top supervillain. yeah but having, that's the having force. never manifested oh, oh. Her. <laughs> <laughs> i know you're Han Solo. that's not how the force works but wh- no when it's, I, it's, wh- it's a betrayal be like look you like to you like to see this the, the hero or heroine suffer and overcome like luke skywalker had to like work his way incrementally into being able to take on darth vader and what? versus like ray she's just suddenly able to do it really easily likewise mandy suddenly she realizes yeah, I, oh I, shit I, I got powers and she hadoukens her aunt and that's it <laughs> what i would have really enjoyed was and again i know they're not setting this up to be a continuity thing but like yeah Make this three volumes. Like good YA is two to three volumes. If you look at like what Faith Aaron Hicks does, or a number of uh, the girl who does Zeta the Space Squirrel, etc., uh, the guy who does Zeta the Space Squirrel, um, is just have it end with her getting powers and some hinging tension with her aunt. Let's go figure out the rest later on. Like I just, I felt like they they felt the need to like wrap this up in a nice and neat bow with clearly defined villains. It was cool to see Blackfire, but I just. It, it just it was too easy it was a cop-out at the end in, in a way it's like the book doesn't quite know what it wants to be does it want to have that superhero narrative which it does ultimately at the end there's that suddenly you have superhero powers and then everything's better or does it want to be that richer litigation of this very complicated mother and contentious mother-daughter relationship this litigation of celebrity culture and i there i don't it doesn't so there's these two different things that don't really come together particularly well, unfortunately. So, so, so that, that versus 
Uh, well, I, I was going to say versus Skim and, and this one Summer, but those are those books are very squarely like grounded in in reality. So, but, but what what kills me is like you could have stirred the pot so much more if you just left things unresolved. Like, what if you decided to be in continuity and you remove the Titans a little bit, and this is like the the tension is more of this is a secret that Starfire is keeping from the world but you focus on the daughter. Like you could have mm. so many more ramifications with a, honestly a B character. Starfire is a B character and you can have a lot of fun with this for the next five to 10 years. And you'd still have the trolls, but you could milk it. And so it's just like, I feel like this book and this premise had so much more potential that yeah. it did not realize. And that's to me, that's what's upsetting because I really, again, before even reading the book, I was bought into the premise. I, wanted to and i was like oh it must be dick grayson and her daughter kingdom come uh, dick grayson obviously blah 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 blah. but how are they gonna play this out and it it just felt like they decided to like keep this as an isolated incident i i, I yeah i would have been a lot better if she didn't have powers at the end i think because the powers basically makes give, makes it easy right it's it's suddenly like life gets to be go on easy mode she doesn't have to deal with the hassles of Growing up in the real world, dealing with all of these people who want a piece of her because of how famous her mom is, she can just literally fly away from her problems. And I, I feel like that's that's actually like antithetical to a lot of what Tamaki's characters in her other books, well, the two that I've read, have done. They, they're, they're, they're really forced to, to wallow in their problems and deal with them. And if they can't deal with them, it's not like they're, they're going to go away. One thing to close on something a little more positive, one thing I really enjoyed about this book was the notion of normalizing queer identity. Like this wasn't a book about a queer coming of age story. She just happened to be queer and happened to have a crush on a girl, right? Like there's another comic that you and I were texting that my daughter's reading that I literally, I, I just reread it to her earlier tonight and I did a double take, not because I was shocked, but it was like, oh wow, they just like slid that in. And I find that a queer romance and I like that. That's that's good because it's not a very special episode of I Am Starfire or My Little Pony or whatever. It's just like, yeah, this just happens in the world. It's a thing. Some girls like girls, some girls like guys. It's okay. Whatever. Move on. Let's let's go litigate the other stuff. And so I genuinely appreciated that, that it wasn't I, a big deal and it wasn't the focus of the book. I feel that that's been happening for maybe over the past five years and i'm like thinking about this in comparison to why the last man where god know, everyone's a lesbian <laughs> yeah 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 where he's like this shock and that feels very much like a like a 2005 reaction to that thing mm -hmm. sure so i feel like the the casualness with which yeah i think that's that's actually more important once you get past the point of representation right when 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 gay people started to show up in when LGBTQ people started to show up in like sitcoms and stuff, there was always like the gay best friend that became a trope. And Versus now just you're... friend who happens to be gay. Right. And I, actually, I was talking to a friend, oh, Jay, actually, who was in our episode about the waiting in grass about the show The Chair with Sandra Oh, and how he was just kind of mentioning she's just in, the, in that in that show, she is the chair of an English department, but she's not very good at her job. And you now have this, the next step, I guess, after representation is finally you just treat them, ca it's just, you let, you let, you don't have to like represent minorities, go bend over backwards to show them in the most positive light, or just, you know, you, you they can just be as flawed as 
they the are in real life. Yeah. 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 And that is probably like the most liberating thing where you mentioned where they are there, where somebody who has not been represented traditionally is finally represented, but in a, in a very casual way. And they're allowed to be imperfect. They're allowed to be, to be unidealized and to have, mis- and to have flaws and to be unlikable. Sorry, Amazon reviewers. Um, and I think that's actually super, super important because in a way it breaks from, it, it frees you from those stereotypes. If you're Asian, always being competent and good at math, right? It's, it's, it's almost liberating to finally be seen as just a flawed human being. Yeah. And I, I, I need, I think, again, I say this as a father, I need that to be the world that is reflected and idealized. We've all got our shit to deal with. And again, the book has its flaws, but the premise is not its flaw. And uh, yeah, yeah, I, I want to read more stuff like this. I want more stuff like this coming out. And I enjoy the fact that more stuff like this is coming out. So again, while it didn't do what I wanted to at the end, I'm okay with that because the, they, they took a swing and it was a pretty good swing. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I, I did too. I'm glad I read it. And but goddamn that ending, man! <laughs> <laughs> well, it read like a DC movie ending. But but Ryan, like all endings, we have to end the same way. So yep. I have to ask you, what are we reading next week? Oh, the same thing I said we were reading next week last week, which was Junji Ito's No Longer Human, and uh, that's going to give you a deep dive into uh, manic depression and body horror. So look forward to that, Roman. (laughs) Only in dreams, Ryan. Only in dreams. And that's our show. Like what you heard? Be sure to share with a friend, subscribe, and leave us a review wherever you get your favorite podcasts. See lots of pretty pictures of the books we read at qtdcomics.com. And since we're sure no one's listening, prove us otherwise. Shoot an email over to say what I got right and what Ryan got wrong. qtdcomics at gmail.com give you a social media handle but we're old and that feels like too much work i'm roman segel and i am and have always been ryan joe Rain keeps falling, rain keeps falling
Will you walk away?